0: Welcome to Dream Deep.
1: Stories from Inside with Molly.
0: And Nikki. Together we share stories, interviews, and ideas about what it means to dream deep and live fully.
1: I'm Molly, a mama to three, a wife and owner of a small business in Virginia, Molly Suzanne, a photography company recently expanding to do custom coloring books and acrylic paintings. I'm Nikki
0: Weaver, an artist, a healer, mover, maker, mama to two, wife to one, and currently building work with incarcerated women and women on the outside through a nonprofit called On the Inside, living in Portland, Oregon. (laughs) (laughs)
1: and we're back
0: (laughs) hey guys good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you are molly and i connecting from across the country again having a good little chat about all that's happening in our lives and uh yeah coming together today to talk i'd I'd phrase it molly as emotional awareness what do you what do you think
1: yeah yeah And just how to, um, how to deal with emotions. Um, Yeah. We're reading the same book by Brene Brown, um, Atlas of the Heart. And it's just such a wonderful definition and a wonderful uh, awareness. I love that word of how we deal with those emotions when they arise, which they always do Mm -hmm. in our life. Um, So, yeah, it's a good, you know,
0: it t- totally, you know, and since you started with her, um, Molly, I'll, I'll, I'll read just a section from her book um, that I think might help us frame this conversation. And for those of you that are listening on your walks or at home, um, one of the things she says is uh, when I think about this data, I think back to a quote from the philosopher Ludwig Wittenstein that I came across in college. The limits of my language mean the limits of my world. What does it mean if the vastness of human emotion and experience can only be expressed as mad, sad, or happy? What about shame, disappointment, wonder, awe, disgust, embarrassment, despair, contentment, boredom, anxiety, stress, love, overwhelm, surprise, and all of the other emotions and experiences that define what it means to be human? Imagine if you had a shooting pain in your left shoulder that was so severe it actually took your breath away. The pain kept you from working, sleeping, and fully engaging in your life. When you finally arrive at the doctor's office and she asks what's going on, there's suddenly tape over your mouth and your hands are tied behind your back. You try yelling through the tape and freeing your hands so you can point to your shoulder, but there's no use. You're just there, inches and minutes from help and possible relief, but you can't communicate or explain the pain. I would imagine in that situation, most of us would either fall to the floor in despair or fling ourselves around the room in uncontrollable rage. This is not that different from what can happen to us when we are unable to articulate our emotions. We feel hopeless or we feel a destructive level of anger. Language is our portal to meaning, making, connection, healing, learning, and self-awareness. Having access to the right words can open up entire universes. When we don't have the language to talk about what we're experiencing, our ability to make sense of what's happening and share it with others is severely limited. Without accurate language, we struggle to get the help we need. We don't always regulate or manage our emotions and experiences in a way that allows us to move through them productively. And our self-awareness is diminished. Language shows us that naming an experience doesn't give the experience more power It gives us the power of understanding and meaning. Wow. Well, now the podcast is over. (laughs) (laughs) That was perfect. All right. (laughs) We're done. But, you know, for those of you that are reading her book or have read it, you know, or sort of considering what is emotion in your life. I think I found that really interesting. And I think about language a lot in my own life, Molly, of what I give language to and what I stay silent about. And we, I know we've you know, touched on that a little bit before in past podcasts, but I think it's really interesting that she speaks to the power of language and that it can either open us or it can limit, it, limit us if we choose to not name what it is we're feeling and and you know for anybody listening and i include us in this too of those times in our life where we've wanted to say what we're feeling but we've remained silent and then the consequences of that yes <laughs> that's what comes up for me in hearing that
1: yeah i mean i would say i would be more inclined with my own personality to stay silent than i would be to open up typically mm-hmm eight yeah. times out of 10, <laughs> which I'm trying to be more open and be more forward in a very assertive yet kind way.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: because it's always, even if it's something that's painful, it's always beneficial to name out loud what you're going through or what you're feeling or, um, or just what's coming up with, you know, with any kind of relationship. And I know that, in my marriage, that's one thing that's really important for us is to communicate what we're feeling. And then there's also times though, interesting enough, where, um, you know, my therapist talks about, okay, if you take the emotion out of it and you just name the facts, sometimes when it's really heated or really, there's a lot of emotion happening, you take a you know, you pause and you say, let's take the emotions out of this and just have the facts to interpret what's going on. And that can help you um, sort of see things a little clearly. I think emotions are very important. Um, However, I think they can make things cloudy or muddy at times, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is very important still to honor those emotions and and be aware of them too, but not let them, um, I think I heard someone say one time that I'm going to totally butcher this, but basically, um, the analogy of a ship, um, Mm. how we don't let our emotions drive the ship, but something about, but we're, there's an awareness there, and there's still, it's, there's an important part of um, emotional um, awareness, Mm. Um, and so, I don't know how it's, you know, how sometimes it's hard to know how to deal with it because you're like, is this, is this emotion coming up from, from a past hurt, from conditioning, from my upbringing? Um, but you always want to validate your emotions too, or someone else's that you're close with.
0: Right, right. That That's so interesting. Um, you know, and Molly, here's where we're opposite, which I think is wonderful. And, and what, you know, brings us together too, is I think For a long time I spent um, suppressing my emotions growing up and I think that was you know filled with different layers of trauma but once I understood how to express them and that really comes from you know training in theater and trying to express the human wide range of of human emotions that we experience in our lifetimes of trying to understand what that arc is and once I once I was able to tap into that, I mean, I, I live very emotionally, it's very hard for me to not cry or scream or yell or, or feel uh, empathetic, you know, towards other people on stage and just in life. And um, what you speak to makes me think about right now, working on this Shakespeare play, Shakespeare is so specific with language and imagery and rhythm and heartbeat and how he writes. Um, And he was an actor that, you know, then became a world famous playwright and wrote plays that we, you know, play and play and play again. But when I think about how he uses language, uh, a director once said to me, all you have to do is feel everything that's happening. Yes, but you have to learn to survive the text. Mm -hmm. And that makes me think about this connection to what Brené Brown talks about and what you're speaking to is even when it's painful somehow we have to find language to support our pain sure. and nobody wants to live there no. like <laughs> but, you know and and sometimes i know for myself i can think about what i want to say i can feel it cry rage but it takes me a long time i have to have the experience first almost before i'm able to communicate it out loud and you know i was saying this yesterday in the rehearsal room that my emotional life is very alive, giving language to my emotions comes second to me. Yeah. And uh, I practice putting them together, you know, in my life on stage all the time and it's hard, it's very hard, but, but what you speak to, um, it's always beneficial to name it. And, you know, something I think about too from my years in therapy is what am I feeling? And, and trying to just name it or write it down for myself first, and then to ask the question, and why am I feeling this way? Well, I, uh, I'm feeling agitated because I haven't eaten. Oh, I'm, I'm anxious because I I think I drank too much coffee before we got on this call. Yeah. Um, you know, and then th- then I can bring that to our conversation or, or to whoever I'm with. I'm so sorry, Molly, I, I should have peed before we started. I didn't do that, and now yeah. I have to run away, you know? Uh, um, that, that hopefully honesty, truth, and authenticity is what all of us want more of in our lives. And uh, I think that's where language becomes a powerful, it becomes the, the balance beam that um, emotions get to meet. You know, we have to walk the line where both are, are living in us.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And I think about putting myself in someone else's shoes and how Um, wonderful it is when someone opens up to me uh, about what they're feeling or what they're going through, even if it is slightly painful or or uncomfortable at the time. I just think, wow, you know, someone that can be that brave and honest to be able to say, hey, you know, say this hurt my feelings or this was um, uncomfortable or I'm feeling really sad, um, you know, and Right now in the book, I'm actually going through the empathy versus sympathy part mm. of the book where she talks about, you know, sympathy is like, oh, pity you. And like kind of distancing yourself from that person. Empathy is I'm I'm here with you. I've experienced these feelings too. And I'm and I've got your back, or I'm, I'm, I can support you however you need to be supported, and not like the pity part of sympathy. Um and I thought that was such a wonderful... I've heard that before, the difference between sympathy and empathy. And I've, I've, I'm I've, also a very empathetic person. So that comes naturally for me. Um, but, you know, it, it, it just... It's really awesome to see the people that you're close with. And I think it brings people closer together to be authentic and to be able to share your emotions mm-hmm. because it truly isn't easy. Um, and I know for me... Um, it's really hard for me to open up to anybody that, other than who I'm really close with. You know, mm-hmm. so you 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 have somebody, an acquaintance, and they say, How are you today? And I'm, oh, I'm good. You know, that's just like the um automatic response. But
0: which are, which, which is it which isn't a feeling, right? It's a it's right. a judgment. Yeah. Right. Um exactly. which, which, you know, to add to our little toolbox here, mm-hmm. I I feel like I ask the question more often than not, how is your heart? Which is um, a vulnerable place to share, right? And really that was something my kids taught me of that was something that they talked about, you know, and read in a book. And then when they asked me, you know, I almost hit the floor because it was so surprising to hear. Sure. And then I thought, yeah, it's so it's so much more honest. It's so much more more vulnerable. But I don't ask everybody that question. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but but um but the people that I really want to build connection with, I do, you know. It's it seems like a more honest place to start.
1: <laughs> it does, and, and you know, you really, I don't think know where your actions and, and behaviors are coming from until you can tap into your feelings. Mm-hmm. Say for example, I think kids especially, there's a, there's a reason for every behavior. So whenever my kids are acting up in some way, I'm like, are you hungry? <laughs> are you tired? <laughs> what happened at school today and so actually at the dinner table we go around and we say what made you sad today what made you happy and one thing you learned Mm. and um, a lot of times that helps me kind of gauge where they're at and they won't always share you know with their with their brothers sisters they won't always share exactly what's going on but it's but most of the time surprisingly they do and it's really neat because it sparks conversation it brings you closer together it helps you be like you know our our dog just passed away debers and you know so the one thing that made us all sad you know the past couple of days has been his passing um, but then then we share fun stories to kind of um you know keep his memories alive and we were watching videos and um so i think emotions really can bring people closer together even if they are um you know, hard emotions to deal with, and 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 just to be able to name your emotions is a really wonderful thing. Because I went through a really hard time when I don't think I was able to really name what I was going through. It was such a hard time, and I was so painful. Um, I was just sad. I was I was sad, and I was depressed, and I but I didn't have any reason to be. It was crazy. My hormones were everywhere. Um, And so to be able to now name my emotions is is really healing. And um, it's- Do you-
0: Oh, I was going to say, Molly, sorry to interrupt. Do you remember during that hard time what it was that made you want to start naming your emotions? Like what happened that allowed you to start speaking to what you were feeling?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I would say- just the fact that I couldn't really be an involved mom yeah. at that point in time, I couldn't really be an involved wife. Um, and it was really, it was really holding me back from a lot of different normal activities. I mean, and I had no motivation. It was just really hard in general, you know? Um, but then I think I finally got to a point where I said, this is not normal. Um you know, I need to get help. I need to reach out. And so I actually reached out to a chiropractor and, you know, was able to find out that my stress levels were through the roof mm-hmm. and then my hormones were all out of whack too. So I was able to get on some really amazing, um, herbs and, and, you know, kind of cut some things out of my life that weren't serving me well. Um, and then, you know, slowly started to heal and it was really amazing to be able to, and I think we go through those, those, Painful situations to be able to appreciate when we can run again. You know, I'm able to run again. I'm able to exercise. I'm super happy, and um, you know, in a really great place in my life. And so, uh, you know, to be able to see um, the different points in your life and how your emotions are really important and vital and play such a huge role in ourselves and in our in our relationships and interacting with other people.
0: Yeah. So, so true so true molly and it makes me think um wanted so to offer this quote uh to, to, to both of us and to anyone listening yeah it's from a, it's from michael mead uh, a book called the water of life and the book the water of life is about intuition and tapping into you know our innate spirituality and, and just how to come back to that if you've lost it mm. he says to be human means to be wounded the story of one's life grows around wounds that open to what is truly deeply human.
1: Mm. Wow. That's a great visual. <laughs>
0: it, isn't it? That, that it uh, I mean, for me, it makes me think of like an exposure, right? Of the heart or of the chest. Um, yeah. And that some part of us is always walking around that way, you know, whether we stop to talk to the person on the street or not. And over time, like we, you know, have built relationship, we get to know the hurts, the pains. You know, this morning talking about navigating big decisions. Um, that that maybe part of our lives is always overcoming, but but also being willing to talk about uh, how we got there. <laughs> sure. For you know, sure. which so which I think is is all connected to pain, fear. Finding compassion, acceptance. Um, Yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's so true. And you know, I'm I'm also reading uh, in a lot of different parts of Brené Brown's book. She talks about shame. She's been studying shame forever. And um, you know, the interesting thing that I was that she was talking about recently was just about how when when shame is kept silent, it it can grow. And then those voices in your head can create this, you know, even more shame and, and, uh, you know, disappointment in yourself. And, and it's just, um, you know, so bringing it to light and, and that can be really hard for some people, but thinking about how, you know, well, for example, my own journey in um, drugs and alcohol and my recovery and um, from addiction, you know, has been such a, a beautiful story of healing and for so long I resisted saying anything or, you know, really talking about it because it was really painful for a long time, you know. And, you know, I, I guess I learned early on, you know, alcohol is a really easy way to to mask and numb my emotions or my feelings. And so I learned that pattern and then continued to go down that path when things were really hard in my life. I would turn to alcohol or drugs or whatever. And, um, you know, but now finally being able to feel my emotions and my feelings and honor them, I realized how healing it can be and also how healing it can be to share your story with other people. Mm -hmm. Um, because so many people, it's amazing. When I, um, shared on social media, the outpouring of love was just incredible when I did share that I'd been sober for two years and, and now it's been two and a half years and, Um, just all the people that also have gone through a similar situation Mm. Um, and you know how they navigated that rough patch um, is pretty pretty incredible to see and and how we can connect with other people through those difficult times
0: yes yes (laughs) You, you, you know and just to just to say Molly how much I appreciate you sharing that like so open heartedly with me with anybody that's listening and and, you know my myself uh, a family of addiction right that Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this before of just navigating what that's like either to have experienced it like you have or for myself to witness it in so many family members and then also you know the work that I do inside prison settings most of that these days is really with sitting with women that have had different experiences of addiction and And the other book I'm reading, um, just to throw this out there, anybody listening, uh, In the Realms of Hungry Ghosts, it's by Gabor Mate, G-A-B-O-R-M-A-T-E. And, you know, I didn't really know where we would go in our conversation, which is the best part of just showing up, right, Molly? But um, I, I brought a little piece of his Book and uh, really his book speaks to the different addicts he works with over and over and their experience of emotions and feelings um, and how they navigate life. So, do a little passage from his book. Sure. He, he says, When my addict patients look at me, they are seeking the real me. Like children, they are unimpressed with titles, achievements, worldly credentials. Their concerns are too immediate, too urgent. If they come to like me or to appreciate my work with them, they will spontaneously express pride in having a doctor who is occasionally interviewed on television and is an author, but only then. What they care about is my presence or absence as a human being. They gauge with unerring eyes, whether I am grounded enough on any given day to coexist with them, to listen to them as persons with feelings, hopes and aspirations that are as valid as mine. They can tell instantly whether I'm genuinely committed to their well-being or just trying to get them out of my way. Chronically unable to offer such caring to themselves, they are all the more sensitive to its presence or absence in those charged with caring for them. It is invigorating to operate in an atmosphere so far removed from the regular workday world, an atmosphere that insists on authenticity. Whether we know it or not, most of us crave authenticity, the reality beyond roles, labels, and carefully honed persona. With all its festering problems, dysfunctions, diseases, and crime, the downtown east side, which is where he works, offers the fresh air of truth, even if it's the stripped frayed truth of desperation. It holds up a mirror in which we all, as individual human beings and collectively as a society, may recognize ourselves. The fear, pain, and longing we see are our own fear, pain, and longing. Ours, too, are the beauty and compassion we witness here, the courage and the sheer determination to surmount suffering.
1: Mm, wow.
0: I'm gonna have to uh. <laughs> Yeah, we can we can read more books together. You know, I mean, the book really is mostly about addicts and, and and looking at the ghosts that we all carry and walk through. But I think what he speaks to is really something that I think about this idea of collective care, but also this idea of of looking at our pain and and being able to see that in other people too, and the mirror that he talks about, you know, also part of Shakespeare's language, holding up the mirror and the mirror being the truth uh, that we aren't separate from each other, uh, that we are connected, and and that we can help each other as much as we're able to help ourselves, but it really has to come from a belief that collectively we need support, not just individually. So I
1: would say we definitely know that we need each other to navigate difficult emotions. And then how would you, I I can say how I deal with negative or or difficult emotions. Um, One thing that I learned when I was going through a lot of my restorative healing is my breath work. And I know you deal with that a lot with yoga and meditation. And um, I took a, I think it was a, um, Well, I photographed a weekend seminar and it was like, well, like kind of a workshop when she, it was a yoga workshop and then, um, you know, healing techniques, but then also did a workshop downtown that was just a couple of hours in the evening. And she talked about the, the um, deep breath, the belly, the belly breathing Mm -hmm. for four in hold for four and out for four. I've heard different, you know, amounts of time to hold it, but out, you know, through your mouth. Um, and that has been such a wonderful way of switching your body from the, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, parasympathetic, what is it called? Yep. Yeah. Parasympathetic
0: nervous system. Yeah.
1: yeah. You kind of switch it from that fight or flight over to that, that resting. And that helps your cortisol levels come down. Um, because you know, in our society, our body doesn't know good stress from bad stress. Um, when our. Well, you know, say we're stressed something at home or job or kids, you know, regardless, it's our body in overdrive. And so to stop and, and breathe or pause, you say, um, what did you, what is it that you say with your kids? The paw, the power of pause. Is that what it is? Yeah.
0: Yep. The power <laughs> of the pause. Yeah. The uh-huh. the
1: pause. And, and so that's something that I really, that, that can be healing for me. And then also writing it down Um, I kind of do it either in the morning or in the evening. I do kind of a dump (laughs) on Mm. my journal. Just everything that's kind of, you know, there at the surface, that needs to sort of be released. Um, And and that really seems to help a lot. But I would be curious, Nikki, what your techniques or your things that you do to... (laughs)
0: To release or I go
1: for a run. Yeah. <laughs> too.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, you you know, I think there there's there's so many and and I'll try and name some of the tools, you know. I, I think we've touched on some of them. One is like asking myself the question, how is your heart? Yeah. I'm really I'm I'm really sad, you know, and then figuring out like, do I wanna share that today with whoever I'm interacting with? Or is yeah. that something I just wanna experience on my own? But trying to name it, yeah. And some people say, name it to tame it. I don't always know that I want to tame it. I think I want to experience it. You know, I might need to walk around with my dogs crying (laughs) um, to process. Um, And and the other thing I think a lot about, Jumali is um, the breath, like our emotions, give us access to a a sensory experience. Hmm. When I take a deep breath, I feel my belly expand. When I take a deep breath, I feel like I'm lifting the weight of the world off my body, like... And so, you know, especially working in prison settings where we're looking at PTSD, I mean, even you and I, we're, um, we're stressed, we're overwhelmed, we're anxious, whatever it is we're, we're working through today, is it something I often think about of how to bring people in and then also how to close things? And, and really, I, I think about the senses. What do you taste in your mouth right now? If you want to say it out loud, say it out loud. Yeah. Notice what you see in the room, you know, turn your head, look around you. Um, notice where the door is notice if there's a chair. Yeah. So that people have a sense of bringing themselves back to a place where they can be safe. Yeah. Um, and then also like, what is it you hear? You know, if you're in a prison, are you hearing doors? You hear birds you're outside. Can you smell anything? So sometimes I just really name the five senses and I let people respond either with their bodies or with language and then that off also is what you speak to a way to bring the parasympathetic nervous system back down um and and you know i just do it on my fingers when i'm walking around what do i see i come up with a couple things what do i hear i come up with a couple things and then i just sort of move down the list see hear touch what is it taste smell yeah, yeah. five thing, five fingers five senses that that helps me remember it um and then what you speak to the breath, you know, the practicing in, deepening the inhale, releasing the exhale, counting that is super helpful too, what your workshop was all about. And that um, the breath, the power of this pause is, is also a visceral experience of being in the world. It brings us to life and it also ends our life. And so I often say that the breath is the opportunity for anything to happen. you you inhale which is connected to inspiration and then I might say I love you Molly (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know or or I might let out a sob or, or a scream and and that the exhale is the beginning and so all the time we get to begin again and there's something freeing in that um that the story I had five minutes ago doesn't have to be the story now and it can also be really overwhelming you know to think about every time i take a breath I'm changing, I'm changing i'm changing i'm changing i'm changing um but it i think it's the journey of our lives hopefully that we're being changed all the time yeah and, sure. and and the journey of our you know our emotions um yeah so uh, yeah those things those, those are a, a pretty good good list hopefully of tools if you're listening to us and and you know sometimes i say like if the very beginning if you don't have practice naming emotions or, or really knowing what you feel. And I know you and I, Molly, are both visual people. Um, I often with students inside prison and out is I just start with a rainbow Mm. and we draw a rainbow or everybody draws their own. And I just say, I want you to just put on your rainbow things that you have felt Mm. You know, and, and I'll name a few out loud and, and it could be at any point in your life. Yeah. Or the rainbow could be, there's the beginning and there's where you are currently, you know, you, you set the parameters or the boundaries of what you want it to be. And then I, I say to people, and then above the rainbow, I want you to list things that you want to feel in your life, yeah. you know, and may, maybe you've never experienced them. And if language is challenging, then get the dictionary out, you know, get the thesaurus, sit in a group of people that have experience talking about emotions And then under the rainbow, put the things that you've experienced that you really want less of, Um, sure.
1: Sure. you know,
0: and and not that we have a choice to like fish for joy or fish for ecstasy Mm -hmm. all the time, but that sometimes for me just seeing it. And and I often do this in a room full of people. It helps us understand what we want more of what we want less of, or or really where we'd like to go in our life. I know Mm -hmm. that I'm when, when I'm with Molly, I, I have a sense of joy. I want to do that more, you know, like, oh, when I'm with, when I'm in this place or this person, I really feel like shit. I feel depressed. (laughs) You know, I I should probably like limit my time doing that thing. Um, It gives us more awareness um, around how to move forward. Those are some tools I think about.
1: So true. I think that our, we are given our emotions for a very, very important, valid reason. Um, They help us navigate you know, which way to go in life. And like you talked about with making big decisions, you know, Brad and I both individually had felt a little bit of um, uncertainty with uh, a big decision. And and then now, you know, we've come together and decided, hey, I think that these emotions and and the way our heart is feeling is valid and helping us navigate this decision. And so if we listen to ourselves and, and that intuition, that gut feeling, um, I think that the emotions that come with that gut feeling can really help us and lead us um, in life and, and you know, in many paths that you can take. Like you said, yeah. I think it can help us set healthy boundaries too, um, you know, with people that steal our energy, <laughs> can zap <laughs> our uh, motivation and, and just kind of bring us down. And then navigate towards people who are inspiring and joyful and, and kind. And, um, and so I think that, that that is one huge, huge benefit of emotions, being difficult or being a wonderful emotion. And I love what you said too about the grounding techniques. I had learned that too. Um, and that is such a wonderful way to get back to your body and out of your head, uh, mm-hmm. because I, I know we're all sort of in our head in general and it's it's such a wonderful way to um like if i have a headache where i feel like my head is spinning or just need to ground myself or just chill out i'll just sit just sit somewhere quiet where i'm not um going to be disturbed and i either put on a um, guided meditation and it is amazing how rejuvenating it is to have that check-in and that and just slowing down because emotional energy is incredible how much, you know, actual physical energy it can take up. Yeah. It blows my mind. You, you, I can be sitting at my desk most of the day, and, but I've had you know, meetings and, and I'm doing something on the computer, where it's a lot of focus. And I mean, you're just, it zaps, <laughs> it zaps mm-hmm. your energy.
0: Um, so I think we need to be conscious of that. Yeah, so, so true. So true, I, I've started to say to Margo, my daughter, who's nine, um, before she goes to bed at night, I say to her in her ear, your feelings are your strength. Mm. Because I think we can also, you know, what you speak to, Molly, is that feelings can be scary Again. yeah, um, and hard to express, but I, I, but I do believe our emotional life is a strength when we learn to access it and that they're, they're some of our best teachers to what matters.
1: Yeah, Um, sure. So true. And I was going to read this um, other quote from Brene Brown. Um, The wild and ever-changing nature of emotions and experiences leaves our hearts stretch marked and strong, worn and willing.
0: Enough said. (laughs) (laughs) Period. (laughs) Uh, I love it. Go um,
1: and be wild and willing. Yes, and one other quote I was I wrote down by Maya Angelou is uh, mm. I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget the way you made them feel.
0: Mm. So true.
1: And so I true. That that's there's something pretty pretty significant to be said about that. Yeah, and I love all these wonderful women that have left marks or continually marks on our heart on, you know, navigating the, uh,
0: the complexities
1: of emotions.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hear that. I hear that. Well, and may- maybe that's anybody listening. That's an action item for you. When you stop listening to, to go change someone else's feeling today, send a text, send a love note, squeeze somebody in your household kiss your dog <laughs> yeah uh, a lot yeah yeah uh, shift shifts the energy with someone in your life today Yep.
1: I love it I love it that's awesome
0: well I love you Molly
1: I love you too Nikki we love all of you listening as well thanks for mm. tuning in and we'll see you next or we'll hear you next time
0: <laughs> talk to you next yeah. time be, be kind to yourself and uh and practice some of these tools Take care.
1: Bye, guys.